Chapter Two of The Holy Land and Syria by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Chapter Two In the Land of Goshen. Come with me this bright Sunday morning for a look at the old land of Goshen, where the Israelites settled when they first came into Egypt. I am writing this at Zagazig, not far from the road down which Joseph was carried by the caravan of ishmaelites or bedouins who had bought him of his brothers and were on their way to sell him to potiphar it was over that same road that the brothers of joseph came to buy corn in the seven years of famine it was probably near zagazig that joseph met them and had the cup hidden in benjamin's sack and from zagazig he came out in his chariot to meet his old father jacob when by his advice the patriarch came into egypt to live through him goshen became a land of the israelites where they remained and prospered until he died and those who knew not joseph reigned in his stead the land of goshen is to-day one of the finest parts of the nile valley my whole way from cairo to zagazig was through rich crops of cotton sugar-cane and clover there was green everywhere and i could ride from here twenty miles more to the eastward before reaching the desert the railroad from cairo to the suez canal goes directly through goshen it strikes the canal at ismailia and then branches off north and south following the canal to suez on the red sea and to port said on the mediterranean the first section is over the road which led from arabia to memphis and heliopolis cities long since replaced by cairo the metropolis of egypt zagazig where i am stopping is one of the chief cities in the delta it is on the freshwater canal and the big irrigation ditch which leads to the nile it is famous as a cotton port and to-day camels are coming into the town with bales on their backs and long trainloads are starting out for alexandria and port said whence the cotton will be shipped off to europe and america the cotton scenes are features of the landscape unknown in the days of joseph and jacob at that time the only clothes made in egypt were of flax or wool nobody knew of the cotton plant and it was not until the middle ages that europe learned anything about it the first knowledge of it was brought by the traveller sir john mandeville who said that the east indians had a shrub or bush half vegetable and half animal it was called the vegetable lamb of tartary according to sir john it was a plant which blossomed out at the top in a living sheep that bent down and ate the grass growing luxuriantly about it the sheep had a thick coat of wool and from this came the cotton of india sir john wrote that this plant beast had flesh bones and blood and that he had not only seen but eaten it he closed with the statement that all thought it wonderful but that god is marvellous in his works this was about thirteen hundred fifty a d and many years before the real nature of cotton became known in egypt and cotton seeds were planted now the crop is grown everywhere in goshen and thrives on almost every spot where the feet of the israelites trod it covers the delta and large plantations have been set out even in old nubia and the sudan cotton has supplanted grain as a money-making crop and is worth far more than the grain that joseph had cornered 
when the years of famine began this land of goshen is a fine stock country camels buffaloes and donkeys are staked out in the fields and flocks of sheep and goats feed there watched by shepherds there are also droves of camels grazing or lying on the ground chewing their cuds all have their herdsmen there are no fences in egypt the fields are bounded by imaginary lines sometimes the limits are marked by water ditches or little embankments made for irrigation it was as stock raisers that the israelites came into egypt perhaps it was because they were a pastoral people that joseph had pharaoh give them this land of goshen the eastern part of which is fringed by the desert with patches of scanty vegetation where the stock could graze the bible says that joseph advised his brethren to say to pharaoh thy servant's trade hath been about cattle from our youth even until now both we and also our fathers for said he every shepherd is an abomination unto the egyptians Today the land is well cultivated most of the fields are kept like gardens and i see half-naked men bending over and digging the soil with great mattocks here the farmers are ploughing using the same one-handled plough of the days of the scriptures some of them have donkeys and buffaloes hitched together while now and then one sees a plough dragged along by a cow and a camel there is much artificial irrigation sometimes the water is lifted from level to level by men with buckets and baskets to which ropes are slung in other places it is raised by the sakib a rude wheel turned by the cogs of another wheel set at right angles to it clay jars are fastened on this perpendicular wheel and as this moves through the water the jars fill and empty themselves into the troughs which lead to the little canals the motive power of the sakib is a blindfolded camel bullock or donkey the animal going around like a horse in an old-fashioned bark mill many of the fields are now under water and the silvery streams shine out through the emerald green of the crops when the israelites first came to goshen they probably lived in tents such as the bedouins use today these are made of sheep's wool or goat's hair rudely woven by hand they are held up by ropes and poles and are so low that the people must crawl into them we know that abraham lived in a tent and it is likely that this was the case with isaac and jacob after coming to goshen the israelites probably copied the houses of the egyptians building villages of mud huts not unlike those i now see these homes are rude to an extreme many of them are less than twenty feet square they have flat roofs and are often so low that i can see over them as i ride by on a camel they have no gardens or lawns facing the street they are huddled together without regard to beauty or comfort the roofs form the woodyards of the people below the only fuel they have is cornstalks straw or the bushes from which the cotton has been picked this stuff is tied up in bundles and laid away on the roofs until used there are but few trees to be seen now and then an acacia grows along the roadway and here and there are clumps of date palms there are occasional fruit gardens and i have seen many green orchards loaded with oranges the roads are usually high above the rest of the country they run along the canals and consist of the dirt banked up to hold back the waters the side roads are chiefly camel paths or footpaths 
and one sees everywhere the traffic moving along through the fields even on the main roads there are few wagons most of the freight is carried on donkeys and camels which are the common riding animals as well long-legged egyptians in turbans and gowns sit on the rumps of little donkeys their feet almost dragging and fierce-looking bedouins their headdresses tied on with ropes bob up and down as they ride on their camels their heads bowing at every step of the beasts there are camels loaded with alfalfa the grass so covering them that they look like haystacks on legs there are donkeys laden with boxes and bags and mules and bullocks carrying freight of one kind or another out in the fields one now and then sees a buffalo with a half-naked boy perched on it and at nightfall the paths are lined with men coming from the fields riding these ungainly beasts and balancing their one-handed plows in front of them it was in goshen that the israelites worked after they were enslaved by the egyptians here they built for pharaoh the treasure cities of pithom and ramses referred to in exodus from which they were sent out to build other cities and towns in various parts of the nile valley the archaeologists now excavating in egypt tell me that they frequently find bricks which are undoubtedly made by them and assert that the sun-dried bricks of today are practically the same as those the children of israel moulded under the lash of their taskmasters this is true of the ruins of bubastus or the city of the worship of the cat the remains of this town which was situated within a stone's throw of the zagazig of today are still to be seen its many buildings of mud brick have crumbled almost to dust but here and there the walls are plainly visible there are several hundred acres of such ruins and i spent an hour or so today driving through them bubastus dates back to the times when the pyramids were young it is supposed to have been built by the israelites and was a great city until it was captured by the persians about three fifty two b c it was noted for its temples devoted to the cat-headed goddess this lady had the form of a lioness with the head of a cat and held in one hand a lotus leaf as a sceptre herodotus tells of her and of this city saying that the temples were gorgeous and that the stone road leading to them was one thousand eight hundred feet long he says that as many as seven hundred thousand worshippers came to the annual festivities he relates that many of the worshippers were women who often danced and acted in an unseemly manner driving out to the bubastus i found there a brickyard in full swing it was situated right on the edge of the ruins and the thelebine of to-day were moulding the clay used by the israelites of the past into building material for the present as i looked at them my mind went back to the days of the pharaohs when moses saw his people toiling under the lash these men and women i watched were working under taskmasters or overseers their half-clad bodies were burnt black by the tropical sun and they looked not unlike slaves here they were grinding the mud there they were moulding it into bricks while farther over they were piling up those which had been dried in the sun the bricks were carried by young girls bossed by a burly negro with a stick in his hand at his direction the girls took the bricks on their heads and carried them off on the trot by bribing the negro overseer i got a photograph of this scene 
and i doubt not my picture gives a fair idea of what went on in those long-ago days when pharaoh drove the israelites to similar work down through goshen came joseph and mary fleeing with the infant saviour from the wrath of herod the baby killer this was then on the main highway from palestine into egypt and there is no doubt that they stopped at bubastis as they went on to heliopolis not far from the obelisk of heliopolis there is a tree under which mary and joseph and the young jesus are said to have rested it is about five miles from cairo and guide-books speak of it as one of the chief sites of egypt i doubt the reliability of their statements the tree may be the descendant of one which stood there in the time of christ it is an old sycamore gnarled with many years and scarred with the names of tourists it is on one of the estates of the khedive and may be seen through the bars of a fence which has been built around it to keep off the relic hunters during my visit there i tried to climb the fence in order to get a photograph of it but some of the khedive servants came up and warned me not to go in the tree is surrounded by orange orchards which are irrigated by sakibs worked by water buffaloes with blankets over their eyes as i went by i stopped at one of these sakibs and the men brought me some oranges from the khedive's orchard selling them at the rate of eight for ten cents they were wonderfully refreshing and as i sat eating them in the shade of the trees outside the fence i wondered whether mary and joseph had not perhaps thus quenched their thirst in the same place nearly two thousand years ago any resting place must have been welcome after the long ride through the country to the edge of the great city of the sun there are other stories told of the stay of the holy family in egypt one is that joseph and mary took the infant jesus out to the pyramids and from there to the sphinx it is said that mary laid him in the lap of the sphinx and that he slept for a night on the paws of that mighty stone beast half lion half woman as i travel through egypt these stories seem more vivid i went down the other day to the banks of the nile where the little baby moses is said to have lain in the bulrushes in his boat of papyrus and as i stood by the obelisk at heliopolis i was reminded of the virgin and the saviour by a young girl who had a baby in her arms she must have been about the same age that mary was then and the little one laughed and crowed as she rested there under the tropical sun at the same time a score of other children ranging in age from two to twelve years gathered around me and posed for my camera in front of the obelisk this great monolith was undoubtedly standing when our saviour was carried through egypt and it was erected long before the baby moses was rescued from the waters of the nile the great stone shaft seemed to tie the past and the present together and the children of to-day brought to my mind those of the times of the saviour the children were glad to pose for me but as i snapped the camera they rushed to the front with hands outstretched begging for bakshish i was at a loss how to fee so many and finally gave twenty-five cents to my coachman and left him to fight it out with the babies the little ones mobbed him and he had to threaten them with his carriage whip to keep them away he finally ended the trouble by giving each two children one half a piastre so that each received little more than one cent this made them quite happy as i was about to leave the obelisk 
a party of american tourists drove up among them was a smart twelve-year-old boy who put his hands in his pockets and gazed up at the stone as though he were ready to buy it as he did so i said to him hello my little man aren't you an american you bet i am he promptly replied i came from chicago in the state of illinois you are english aren't you no i am an american and my home is in washington oh yes said the urchin i know all about that place the president lives there say what is the name of your ball team that was the interesting thing to him out here under the shadow of an obelisk four thousand years old on the spot where joseph was married to asenath where plato philosophized and where moses played within plain sight of the pyramids and near enough almost to hear the whisper of the sphinx he cared nothing for them he was a live boy and he wanted live things therefore the pitchers catchers and shortstops of the great american diamond were worth more to him than all the stories of history and all the mummies of the museums End of chapter two